What's up, everybody? It's LG News said here. Today is Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. Welcome to the First Minute Podcast, where I talk about marketplace trends, big sales, and everything going on in the world of NFTs. Today, we are talking a little bit of Top Shot and then also talking about taxes. That's right. The year's almost done. You're maybe doing some Christmas shopping, but if you made some NFT gains this year or even some NFT losses, you definitely got to be thinking about taxes. And we have none other than Top Shot legend Max Minsker on the show to discuss his expertise in the matter because he's actually a CPA and runs his own business. Guy moonlights is like 20 different things. Anyways, he's on the show. We're going to chat tax. And I want to remind everybody, especially on this episode, that nothing on the show constitutes trading advice in any way. The show is not affiliated with NBA Top Shot, the NBA, or Dapper Labs. I'm just a guy at his house who loves basketball and blockchain. This is the first minute. Well, 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 it finally happened last night. Mr. Stephen Wardell Curry. Wardell Steph Curry. Anyways, he broke the three-point record at MSG. Something we've been waiting for all season. One of my favorite players. One of the only players that I actually have a jersey of, of Golden State Warriors, of course. Probably the only jersey I have that isn't of a Toronto team of some kind. He did it last night, I think just like a couple minutes into the game. And just like that, Top Shot popped out a challenge to commemorate a new moment that is going to commemorate his breaking the record. And it's actually part of a brand new set called Metallic Silver set. We didn't even know it was going to exist. Something we didn't even know was going to happen. It's out. It's out until Friday. Until Friday. The current low ask is like 4000 bucks. There's 278 people who have completed it so far. You need like pretty much all of his Series 2 commons, a Seeing Stars, All-Star Game. You need a Ray Allen, run it back. No thanks. And you need a uh, legendary three-pointer to complete. So not for the faint of heart. Although very cool to see some historic moments being commemorated like, like that. Because last year, I think we had a Russell Westbrook uh, triple-double historical moment. And then also a different Steph Curry one for most points ever on the Warriors. But they were just done as kind of smaller, more low-key challenges. A little harder to access. I won't be going for this one. I don't have a Ray Allen run it back. Probably the biggest piece that I'm missing. And I actually recently sold my Steph Curry All-Star Game Rare for a massive loss. Anyways, we also have some news coming up. There are three drops coming up in the next week on Top Shot. There's the base pack release five for series three. That's tomorrow. Cade Cunningham being the big prize there. Number one overall pick from this year. 200,000 packs. You know the drill. You get to buy five and you get to get back in line to buy another five. And then next week, there are two big drops. Probably the last ones of the year and ones that people have been waiting for for a while. There is the premium pack, which is just full of metallic gold moments. We got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, CP3, Miles Bridges, Lonzo Ball, Anthony Davis, Julius Randle as the players listed so far. We don't know who the other ones are going to be just yet, but hopefully maybe First Mint can help crack that code in the next day or two. Those packs going for $89 for a $749 limited edition mint of a rare. Not sure about that. Not sure if that makes the most sense, along with five other commons which are probably going to be all 60k although it'll be a mix-up but still not sure on that price but we'll let the uh the 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 twitter sphere decide that one if you are curious we got some data from live token in terms of how many people have qualified for each queue so you're going to need a 7500 collector score for the priority queue 
as of right now, as of last night, as per live token, there are 13,000 accounts qualified. And for the general queue, you need a 2,500 collector score, which as of last night, there are 39,000 accounts qualified. Earlier that day, though, earlier next Tuesday, it's a very packed day for Top Shot drops, very ambitious. There is the long-awaited Deck the Hoops pack, which is going to be the archival set of legendaries. That's right. So I think this is the first ever archival set, like historical set for legendaries. Very exciting. We're going to have Kim Garnett in a Celtics jersey, Kawhi Leonard, I'm assuming in the Spurs jersey, right? Uh, we got Anthony Davis on the Pelicans. We got Dwayne Wade with a sweet alley-oop, which many people are saying is going to be the one to LeBron. We got a Jimmy Butler buzzer, Jimmy Butler buzzer beater. That's a hard one to say. And a Clay Thompson legendary. I love that Clay Thompson now has a second moment on Top Shot, and he has yet to play a game in the Top Shot era. These are actually super rare. I like how rare they are. They are one of 55, which makes them the rarest moments to come out on Top Shot in a set since the Cosmic and Hollow Series 1, which is really cool. Also means that in the pack drop, there's only going to be 470 for sale, and each one, each pack is going to have some metallic golds and commons in there. The packs are going for $999. I don't even have that balance. I don't know if I'm going to try and raise the money. Maybe a lot of people will. However, I won't have a high enough collector score. I know. Yeah, I actually won't have a high enough collector score to qualify for the priority queue, uh, which is 25,000 collector score is needed. And as of last night, there are 1800 qualified. And for the general queue, which I will be, I guess so in line for maybe not, we'll see. You need 10,000 collector score. And as of last night, as per live token, there are 12,000 qualified. I'm going to be honest with you guys. When I first saw this, I was not too excited. As you know, I've got a, a, a gripe with Top Shot in terms of supply. So seeing especially that many metallic golds coming out all at once, because don't forget in the, the legendary packs, there will also be a lot of metallic golds, about like almost 1,500 of them. Uh, I wasn't too excited. You know, I'm not, was not too thrilled, especially with another base pack coming out tomorrow. But what I did like was seeing the community's reaction. This part actually surprised me. I saw a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of people in the First Mint Discord getting really excited after the announcement as to trying to guess which moments from, you know, some of the famous, I guess, Christmas games are going to be released in the Legendary Pack. Also trying to guess, like, which players might be in the background. Like, just kind of, you know, a nice flashback for everybody. Something really nice for diehard basketball fans. I thought that was really cool. Brought back a lot of good memories. And it kind of made me think, you know, does Top Shot, as much as trying to be this mega product of NFTs for, again, hundreds of millions of fans, as per Roham, maybe at the end of the day, it just needs to appeal to the super hardcore ones, or at least find a way to appeal to them as well. Because despite what I consider to be, you know, a, a general uh, unhappiness in the community, it was cool to see a lot of people actually get really excited um, just for their pure like nerd love of basketball. So stay tuned for Tuesday when it all goes down. And I guess we'll recap how it goes after that. Next up, we have a guest, a man who was part of First Mint Fest. That's right. He was one of the, uh, I guess, ambassadors. And I feel like has been hovering in the First Mint uh, sphere for a long time. Not sure he's ever been on the show. Matt's Min Max Minsker is going to join us again. He is probably somebody I trust very much so. Obviously, I have him on the show to talk about taxes and NFTs. It's not a fun subject, but man, we got to talk about it. It's the end of the year. If you're going to make some moves to recoup tax losses or whatever it is, now is the time to do it. So listen to my chat with Max. Ladies and gentlemen of the First Mint, we have a guest that maybe has been on the show, but that I'm very familiar with is a, is a staple of the community, Max Minsker. Sir, you lead a double life, and today we're going to discover 
the other life. What it, by day or maybe by night, you are like, you know, a, a podcast host, a guy who knows a lot about NFTs, somebody who's had a great impact on the community. But by day, perhaps, you have a big background in accounting. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you, LG. And you're right. It is a double life. As the year has gone on, it's just gotten more and more intense between NFTs and DeFi and everything going on in the crypto space, becoming harder and harder to do both. <laughs> I bet, man. I bet. Well, I mean, especially since you have a, you know, kind of a pretty heavy background in accounting, and that's kind of why we want to do the show today is as the year wraps up, you know, a lot of people are going to have questions about taxes. In a couple months, they're definitely going to have a lot of questions about taxes. A lot of people making big gains, hopefully not too many big losses this year, but, you know, basically aware that there's a lot of stuff that they don't know. And it's a lot of stuff that you know. So, so Max, before we dive into it, even just remind me, like, like your history with accounting and, and, and everything you're bringing to the table here. Well, it's been a little bit of a unique path. I'll, I'll say that. I mean, I started my career in finance, um, studied finance and accounting in school, decided at a certain point to pivot that um, into a career in basketball because basketball was kind of my first passion, right? So I went to work in the NBA. After working in the NBA, uh, I saw some opportunities on like the entrepreneurship front and I had always wanted to kind of own my own company. So one of my friends and I, um, he's a CPA, um, and I had worked in finance and accounting uh, in the past. We decided to join forces and start a company. And at that time, I mean, this was, you know, last year. This is not like before I was even in crypto at all. Uh, we started consulting for some startups and small businesses, um, some international clients as well. But then as I've kind of fallen down the crypto rabbit hole myself this year, I realized what a mess my personal tax situation was going to be. Um, <laughs> and so we started digging in and realizing that, you know, there's a lot of people in that same scenario. So we are kind of expanding the practice into, you know, NFTs, DeFi, crypto, all that kind of stuff. Well, at which uh, point this life. year, at which point this year where you were like, oh shit, like <laughs> I'm going to need my own services very soon with everything I'm doing in the space. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you what, basically the way I got into like crypto, I had owned some like Bitcoin and Ether and whatever, like last year. But um, when I really fell down the rabbit hole is actually when I started hearing from a lot of MBA people about Top Shot. So actually it was kind of my MBA background that really dragged me into crypto. Um, but then when my tax situation got really messy was when I kind of discovered the entire universe of NFTs outside of the NBA and NBA Top Shot even started messing around, uh, you know, on Ethereum and different blockchains and stuff like that, you know, tumbling down the rabbit hole as one does. Uh, so maybe around like July or August this year, I really realized, oh my gosh, like this is going to be, this is going to be a total mess and I got to figure this out. Uh, so <laughs> then I started planning for, for the next tax season. And I remember some of your you know, early work on Twitter in the NFT space where you had like this great thread about like Zed Run and stuff like that. I just assumed that that's around. You were like maybe buying, flipping horses, breeding, whatever, and that you were like, uh-oh. <laughs> and even that's what I want to get to the bottom of today. It's like even like, no, we'll go through some scenarios later, but it's like, what is breeding a new horse? Is that a taxable event or not, right? And I think there's just so much stuff like that. Um, you know, once we get into DeFi, like yield farming, and even, and even in Top Shot, any other NFTs, it's like even like challenge rewards, any any kind of things like that, how are those going to affect us um, 
in 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 our taxes for the coming year and even just how do we kind of like you know present that to our own accountants on our end how do we you know cuz i'm sure there's a lot of accountants out there who are like i am not touching crypto sorry right like there's some people might be with it some people will be like i am not touching that scam so i'm sure a lot of people listening are going to have like a variety of different scenarios that they're they're going to be faced with also people outside the US like myself right are going to be dealing with different laws where they are so we're going to we're going to touch on some of that stuff today i'm not going to get a chance to get to all of it but Hopefully we can run it back, uh, maybe do a Twitter Spaces or something like that to kind of answer some other questions we're going to get. But let let's start from a high level angle, Max. Like like, listen, I've probably made three to five thousand transactions this year, right? And that's including paying gas fees, uh, approval, staking. The top shot, at least a couple thousand transactions there. I used to, you know, uh, I sold a bunch of one dollar moments. I've bought a lot of four dollar moments, and you know, I've done so much. Let's start from the top. There's a lot of info to take in. What do I need to be thinking about right now? Yeah, with there just a are, weeks left in the year, there are a number of different things. Uh, and like you said, there are no shortage of unique scenarios, right? You're like, okay, what if you breed a Zedron horse, right? That that's a totally unique scenario. What if I buy a moment or sell a moment for one dollar, or you know, uh, stake my ether somewhere, you know, on the blockchain, right? Uh, what what's going to happen? So. I think that like from a super, super high level, uh, the first thing to understand is that a lot of these scenarios are unique and we don't have a great way to map them one-to-one to existing laws and regulations, right? As we know, crypto is extremely unique. It's relatively new and the IRS is yet to issue like full and clear guidance on all of these different issues, right? They've issued some guidance. They've, you know, provided some material and information on how they want these things to be reported, but you know, they haven't issued guidance on Zed run breeding, for example, right? So you kind of have to start with a high level framework and then break it down into the individual scenarios to say, okay, so how are we going to apply this to the concepts, right? So- Dude, sorry, I, I just think- want to interrupt you. I just can't wait for the day the uh, for the IRS to post on their site being like, here's what happens when you breed a Zed horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I we're going to keep waiting for that one. <laughs> yeah, sorry, go on, Matt. I interrupted you. Oh, no, no worries. I mean, I think that when it comes to NFTs, like- there's there's uh, like a high level framework that we can use, right? And let's let's just start like with a basic scenario. So let's say that you buy something on OpenSea, right? Using Ether from like your MetaMask wallet, right? Super, super common scenario. So the like step number one is you're gonna incur a taxable event when you purchase an NFT on OpenSea, which is kind of a problem. So let's say that you, I mean, let's oversimplify, right? Let's say you bought some Ether on January 1st of 2021. And then on February 1st of 2021, you buy a NFT for 0.1 ETH, okay? If you are using that Ether that you had bought on January 1st, you have to calculate the capital gain on the Ether that you used to buy that NFT, right? So that is in itself a taxable event because you're transferring assets, right? It's like kind of like selling one stock for another, right? You have to pay the gain on your original asset, which is the ether, and then you establish a cost basis in the NFT that you've just purchased on OpenSea. Now, you can deduct the gas fee from that purchase. So, you know, you you have to do a little bit of a calculation there, or you can subtract it from the cost basis of that new NFT. So let's say, you know, instead of 0.1 ether, it's 0.12. That's your your cost basis because you paid 0.02 in gas fees. Okay, then let's say you sell that NFT, you sell it for one ETH, one ETH, right? 
you now have a gain of 0.88 ETH, um, but you're gonna have to convert it into the USD values to see, or if you're an American, right? How much money you actually gained on that transaction. That's another taxable event. And now to make it even more complicated, let's say that, I mean, you know, it's a relatively simple event, but from a tax perspective, it's different. You take that one ETH and you buy a new NFT like a week later. Now you have to take the value of ETH when you sold the first NFT and calculate the capital gain or loss from that ETH you held for one week before you bought a new NFT. So kind of every step in the value chain there, every time you're making a big transaction, you're kind of incurring a taxable event and establishing a new cost basis in the asset that you're now purchasing, if that makes sense. So that's the way I kind of want to frame it, right? Like if you're buying, if you're selling, you know, anytime that you're transacting, you're kind of establishing a new cost basis and that's its own individual event. Isn't, and won't the IRS or in our case, like the CRA in Canada, like, like, won't they see, like, listen, I've done a couple thousand transactions, but I don't even, I don't consider myself like an NFT trader. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not like, I'm not day trading NFTs. I just, you know, really micromanage my collection of Top Shot stuff. And at times I've bought a lot of stuff, right? I've bought like batches of 10 NFTs at a time. I've minted a lot of stuff and then sold half of them and stuff. So am I, am I now going to be in a category? Cause like what you're talking about is like, basically this, this is a little bit over my head and maybe a lot of other people's heads because I've never like day traded anything. Whereas if I was day trading like stocks, then that all that, what you're saying would be maybe more normal for me. Cause it'd be like, of course you have to declare every single thing you've done. But for a lot of people, this might be their first time. Um, you know, maybe in the past they've maybe made like five moves in a year regarding investing, right. Or if they dollar cost average and they're just putting in a couple hundred bucks a week and that's it. But now you're talking about many people facing so many more taxable events in a year, like like hundreds, thousands more than they ever would have. I guess what I'm asking is like, is the IRS going to kind of say, are they going to look at that if they ever figure out how to look at it? Are they going to look at that as like, hey, you're day trading, you know, your job is being a trader, right? Like, is that is that going to happen? Right. Well, LG, what I'll tell you is that there are so many parts uh, to that question, right? Number one, um, will the IRS Sorry, actually... Will they get the tools and the tooling to actually look into this stuff? Well, that's kind of TBD, right? There are some firms that are doing like analysis of different chains. Um, but, you know, as of right now, they're not going into Etherscan and, and looking through that stuff. Secondly, you know, on a practical level, just in terms of like, what can you actually do about that? Like, you're not going to go through 5,000 transactions, right? I think that it's a two-pronged answer. The first prong is assisting with software. Right. You need to have like a software component there. Like you can't just I mean, I guess you could go through manually one by one and check every single transaction and match it all up. But it's unlikely that you're going to want to take the time to do that. Right. You got to have a software platform that can help you manage that. Um, and the second part is an accountant who knows how to interpret the software platform, because that's when you really achieve some efficiency there where it's like, OK, instead of me going back every through every single transaction, well, I don't even understand whether or not these are taxable events. Right. If you have an accountant who can plug it all into a software program and then, you know, like uh, adjust the settings or whatever uh, to, you know, whatever it is that they're using to like evaluate the taxable income, um, then, you know, hopefully the idea is that they will be able to say, OK, you made 5000 transactions, but now there's only like, you know, 56 of them that we couldn't account for after taking a look at this after deploying the software program, let's take, let's isolate those. And maybe that still takes a little while, but at least it's not an insurmountable task. <laughs> That's so much <laughs> it's already. Fun, it's fun times. It's fun times. Yeah. Okay. 
let's I, I kind of threw us off track there. Um, <laughs> you, you you got us aware that you know we're looking at a lot of different taxable events. What else what else do people need to be thinking about? Well, I think that there's also a big distinction, and this kind of goes back to your last uh, question as well, between centralized exchanges and decentralized protocols, right? Because, you know, if you hold your crypto uh, with Coinbase, for example, that is a centralized exchange, and they're going to issue you what's called a 1099. So basically, they are going to report your crypto trades and your gains and losses to the IRS. And then they're- Because they KYC, because they KYC, right? So they exactly, check Exactly, they know who yeah. you are, they have your yeah. social security number if you're an American, um, right. et cetera. So they're going to be able to track that and send that data to the IRS. And if you don't report that data, then the IRS can send you a notice that says, hey, uh, Coinbase told us that you made all this money and you didn't report any of it. So what's going on here, right? Now, MetaMask, Uniswap, they're not doing that right? They're not going to send notice to the IRS about the, the trades you made. You know, OpenSea is not issuing you a 1099, at least we don't think, right? So there's centralized exchanges that are going to be sending the data to the IRS and that data might be portable, right? But there's also decentralized protocols where nobody really knows, there's no transparency whatsoever into what's going on. So, you know, because there's no 1099 cent, you have to kind of interpret it yourself or have an accountant interpret it for you, right? Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's something to think about, right? What kind of transaction uh, volume or data do you have on Coinbase versus how much data do you have in decentralized protocols? And also you know, on what chains you might have transactions on multiple chains or on multiple platforms. And that's something that you need to think about and say, okay, I have some money on Binance. I have some money on Solana. I have some money on Ethereum. Um, how am I going to get all of these uh, data sources and make them talk to each other. Does the, does the, I, I'm assuming because we KYC'd with Topshot then. So is, is Topshot also reporting our stuff to the IRS or the CRA in Canada? You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I, I haven't heard anything about uh, Topshot issuing 1099s, um, but I guess we'll know when we get one. I doubt that they would, um, right. but perhaps they would. I'm frankly yeah. not sure. Yeah, I, I'm curious now too because we, we've started to use the Dapper Wallet a lot more, right? We have like ballers in there. I know the NFL All Day logo has shown up in there. It's it's December 9th for anybody trying to timestamp this that when, when we're recording this. So yeah, I wonder how that's going to shape out, right? Because if it, clearly Dapper is looking for us to be using that wallet in kind of a, uh, I guess in a more institutional way, right? So in a centralized way. So I wonder if eventually they'll they'll distribute that. And also for anybody wondering, I think what the equivalent of a, a 1099 is in Canada is a T5. So if you have a an investment account with like Wealthsimple um, or, or really anywhere else where you're getting, you know, like a TFSA or RSP or anything like that, you need to put on your tax return and that those banks print out a T5 for you. I think that that's kind of um, the same thing we're talking about. So if you have Coinbase in Canada, they probably issue you a T5 at the end of the year. Uh, is the form for us. So that's what it is. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's something really interesting, right, Max? So so it's like, so what what prevents people then, like if, if I, you know, because I do most of my dealing on, yeah, on, on I use my MetaMask, I'm using OpenSea. Um, in some cases, you know, now being on Flow, I'm using like Bay and BlocktoSwap and uh, a variety of other marketplaces that are out on on Flow. What, what, why would I Obviously, I don't want to lie to the government, right? And don't encourage that. But knowing that it's going to take them forever to figure out how to even track my MetaMask wallet, right? Or maybe not, but probably not for this year. 
what what is the incentive for me to bother reporting that let's say well lg uh for many people that is the million dollar question right i think that it's essentially a bet on like future competence or future tooling right because it's all recorded on the blockchain so even if five years from now um, the government is able to identify your wallet, right? They're going to be able to see everything that you've done for the past five years. Um, so, you know, five years from now, will they have sophisticated tooling that allows them to go back and track all this? Um, you know, that's really impossible to say. I mean, you'd think that at some point, uh, if crypto is going to be as big as we all think it will be, that they will have to find a way to tap into these blockchains and analyze the transaction level data and hopefully try to attach them to people. But at the same time, that's one of the promises of cryptocurrency in the first place, right? That it's permissionless, um, that there's no government involved, and that you don't have to provide your personal information to the chain in order to transact. You just need a wallet address. So it's going to be uh, a clash of styles, let's say, between the government, which is highly centralized, and blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies, which by their very nature are relatively decentralized. Um, how that's going to play out, I am frankly not sure. Um, but I mean, no one is, right? But uh, I think that's kind of the answer to your question is, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be going through the chain tomorrow, but they may be able to theoretically in the future. And the other thing is, if you made a lot of money in crypto more than you have, right? Like, let's say you make $50,000 uh, at your job and you made a million dollars on a board ape or something like that. It's going to be really hard to repatriate all that money. And let's say apply for a, a home loan or a car loan, or, you know, you're, you're not, you're not going to have anywhere to put that money if you don't report it. And it's not going to be no, basically you have to hide it forever. So, you know, do you really want to play that game? I think just from a practical perspective is is another concern or a reason why people would theoretically report. Of course, yeah, because either the bank isn't going to want to know where the money came from if you just if she just popped it back into fiat or exactly, um, you know, if you yeah, exactly. If you make 50 grand, somebody's going to start right? asking questions. If well, that's have, it. If you make 50 grand a year and the government sees that you just put, you know, a million bucks into your bank account, they're going to wonder what's going on. But is that something like so in that situation, let's let's use that exact scenario, which we know maybe some people could be maybe not a million bucks, but listen, hey, board apes, the floor is like 53 or something like that, man. That's the, you know, you're looking at um, 200 grand minimum, right? Quarter million bucks almost for a board ape right now. And a lot of people may be still holding from the day they minted. Um, and, and again, those people might be, you know, in, in, a, in a five figure, um, you know, earning bracket. So what what then if say somebody did want to sell their ape now and make a quarter million bucks from it and they want to turn that back into fiat, what, what should they be doing? Like, what should they do differently? Like, let, let, and let's follow the full scenario. Like they turn it into ETH and send the ETH to Coinbase. They turn that into money and they transfer to their bank account. What along the line, what do they need to prepare for the government to like even accept that as like a legit thing? Right. I would say the first thing that they should do or think about from this perspective is talk to an accountant. Because if you are making that much money off of a single transaction, there are, you know, there can be huge implications to that from a tax perspective, um, in, even in terms of like a logistical perspective, like, are you just going to transfer that all to Coinbase and bring it back to fiat? Like, how, how are you going to get that? How are you going to get that money out? And how are you going to pay the, the corresponding taxes? Right? Do you even have enough cash? on hand, enough fiat on hand to cover the taxes should you decide to report all that information, right? Now, 
it's December 9th as we're talking right now, you know, the fiscal year ends on December 31st. So, you know, maybe you want to consider some tax loss harvesting right before the end of the year. Maybe you need to get some fiat out uh, if you're going to be reporting that, right? And you need to transfer some of that to Coinbase and and talk about how you can get a, a sizable wire transfer to your US bank account or, you know, whichever country you're in, right? So the first thing you should do is, is talk to an accountant about this because this is basically a, a nightmare from from a tax reporting perspective and you're probably going to want somebody who's going to be able to help you deal with that right um let's say it's a good problem to have okay let's frame it that way because this is like listen man you got an ape and you're yourself for 200 grand like even if you got to figure out your taxes and you're going to lose a big chunk of that, like it's that's still better than having zero dollars, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a good it's a good problem to have and probably something more more and more people are going to have over you the know, years LG, as crypto grows. Uh, making too much money uh, becomes a problem, I guess, or presents certain issues. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That I mean, that is fair. Yeah, because then if you if you get flagged, then you'll always be on the radar. I assume, right? Always yeah, looking and at what you're doing. It, it's certainly a solvable problem, like you said, right? It's one of those good problems. You have too much money. Because the thing is, like, let's say you're a, a millionaire, a business tycoon or something like that. Odds are you've built up an organization over time and you have people at your disposal. Like you have a legal team, you have an accounting team, et cetera. But if you go from just being, you know, you're doing your thing, you're, you do whatever it is you do for work full time, but you're, you just do your taxes via TurboTax and, you know, you don't have a whole team, right? And then all of a sudden you come into all of this new internet money. It's like you don't have any of that infrastructure around you that somebody who is used to making that amount of money would probably have in place. Mm -hmm. What about my holdings? Like, let's say, let's say I minted five apes and I've never sold them. Let's say I, you know, like I am an early adopter of Top Shot and I've got, you know, a, a big juicy 100K Top Shot portfolio, but I haven't sold very much. What am I doing with that for tax sure. season? Well, that that's a much easier situation because you don't have to pay taxes on unrealized capital gains, right? So if you if you haven't sold anything, you haven't realized any kind of gain, and you probably want to talk to accountant in that scenario as well because there are different um, and you know based on what country you're in, like Canada, like the laws can be different everywhere. But um, you know if you hold that ape for you know longer than 365 days, you will be eligible for long-term cap, long capital gains taxes instead of short-term capital gains taxes. So then it becomes a question of, okay, maybe I've held this for nine months. I was thinking about selling it, but maybe I wanna wait three or four more months to sell it. You know, maybe the price could go down, but at the same time, if you think it's also possible that it'll go up and you'll be subjected to a much smaller uh, long-term capital gains tax as opposed to uh, a short-term capital gains tax, which would just be tacked onto your income, um, it might be advantageous to wait um, and hold it for longer than a year. So there are also considerations there, I would say, where like advice could help, but luckily you don't have to report those unrealized gains and pay ungodly amounts of taxes on an item that you haven't even cashed out yet, that you don't have right. any no, yeah. currency to pay for. Uh, so that's on. so that's interesting. I'm assuming that's probably more of an American thing, the, the long-term capital gains thing. Can you explain that a little bit more? So that's like, so, if you if you sell something within a year of having acquired it, it's a short term capital gain, and more than that, it's a long term capital gain. What are the differences there in terms of the tax implications? Sure, yeah, let's let's cover that real quick. So when it comes to short term capital gains, if you hold an asset for under a year, so let's say you have a board ape, you mint it, and then you sell it six months later for let's say two hundred thousand dollars, right? You probably paid what a couple hundred dollars to mint it uh, when you convert that to fiat. So 
you know, the, the gain on that is going to be almost the full $200,000. So if you've held it for less than a year, it's considered a short-term capital gain, which means that it's taxed like ordinary income. The problem with ordinary income is that once you start making two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year, the top tax brackets are more than 30%, right? So uh, you're going to be paying, you know, more than theoretically more than 30% on if if you let's say you have a million dollars in in sales, right, you're going to be paying at the top federal income tax bracket, um, for those short term capital gains, right? Now, long term, um, the rates are much more favorable, there are still brackets depending on your income. But typically speaking, or generally speaking, you're going to pay much less as a proportion of taxes on something that you've held for more than a year, uh, as opposed to something you've held for less than a year. And if you are paying short-term capital gains, that makes tax loss harvesting even more important, right? Because if you have assets on the books that you maybe you bought at 0.5 ETH and then it, you know, the project uh, fell apart or something like that and it's worthless, right? You you want to get rid of that thing to reduce that taxable income in the tox, top tax bracket. Um, so that, that's something to think about as well. I hope that was like a good overview of short-term. No, it was. Can we talk about the loss harvesting thing? Because that's something I've seen kind of floated around the Top Shot circles a lot lately. And it's a situation, unfortunately, a lot of people are probably in for Top Shot where, you know, a lot of people came in or bought a lot at that surge, myself included. I've got a few moments that I bought for like between two and four grand that are now literally worth a tenth of the price. And um, I'm not alone there. And what should I, you know... uh, not going to speculate on the future of the top shot market because obviously there's a lot of different types of moments that will have um, a, a different future for each of them. But let's say, you know, I bought something for uh, 3000 bucks and now it's worth 500 and I don't think that that moment has much of a future and I want to sell it for 500. Is that is that wise to do now before the year is in and, and kind of recoup that that loss? Well, what I'll tell you is that I think this com- like the overall framing that I put around this specific scenario is that it's important to understand your personal situation because let's say you only did Top Shot and you got kind of unlucky, right? And you didn't expand into any other NFTs or DeFi, you just bought Top Shot moments. Well, if you're already lost, let's say $5,000, you're not gonna get a lot of additional benefit from harvesting more losses. I mean, you can, you can carry over losses to the next year, which we don't really need to go into, but it's not gonna benefit you that much to sell now as opposed to later, let's say. While simultaneously, right, let's say you sold that board ape, right? All of a sudden, you're gonna be responsible theoretically for paying income taxes at the top tax bracket for the money that you generated on that ape and you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, if I have, you know, $10,000 of top shot moments that I could sell theoretically and reduce the cost basis for my income, I might as well do that. Um, so I think it, it depends, like if, especially, let's say you've made $3,000 the whole year from all your crypto trades and you have $5,000 of top shot moments that you bought for 5,000 or now worth 2,000. Well, if you liquidate all those moments for $2,000, well, now you have zero gain. So you don't have to pay any tax on anything, right? So in that situation, maybe you'd say, okay, well, this is this is going to be a huge advantage. So personally, um, I actually am planning on uh, selling quite a few of my moments that I bought maybe in you know February, March, April uh, before the end of the year as a as a tax uh, harvesting. Uh, not tax. financial advice. Not no, financial not. advice. Even certainly though the entire episode advice. is about taxes. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, the, the point is to say that it is a strategy that you could theoretically 
employ under the right circumstances. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's totally dependent, right? If you think Top Shot moments are going to go like way up to the moon by the end of the year, well, then, you know, don't sell it for nothing. Don't right? do but it. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it just depends on your personal situation. So that's why I frame it with the context of it, you have to understand the situation that you're in. And then once you totally understand your own circumstances, then you can, you know, make a decision based on what you think is best for you. Right. So my Steph Curry all-star three-pointer where he's imitating LeBron's no look. It's that I bought for like $2,000. It's now worth under 500. Mine too, LG. Mine too. (laughs) (laughs) You're telling me that that might help me (laughs) offset gains from other NFTs. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, some Ethereum projects have done pretty well. I've heard. <laughs> yes, some have done well. I mean, hey, listen, some people did well on Top Shot. Okay, like you know, I I, I did well in the long run as well. Um, I was very fortunate to be in early, and I feel like some other people have you know that were still early in the year still did well, and and other people got burned. But it is what it is, and and there's a lot more stuff to come. So. Max, I, I do want to ask you about like how we prepare to approach our accountant about this. Um, but the last thing, I, 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 but before we get to that, going into the new year, because we're talking about how to prepare for your 2021 taxes, which you're going to file in a couple months. But now starting a new year, rolling over the calendar, what like what what should we be armed with? You know what I mean? Like what 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 do we? How do we start tracking this stuff better now? Is should we be tracking it? What, what should, because we all just aped in like crazy this year without really, yes. we're like, we'll figure out the taxes later. Like, let me, I just need to buy and sell right now. Right. But now it's a new year and many of us, like we see, we're going to be trading crypto and NFTs for a long time or hopefully. Right. So how do we kind of approach with a reset, let's say of the year, how do we, how do we approach that? Well, it's, it's funny that you say that because I think that this is the first year where we're going to have kind of a like a huge swell of people that are trying to report all of these different types of transactions, right? It's not just DeFi. It's not like a few trademark NFTs that maybe are selling for a couple hundred dollars. It's really, really big projects with all sorts of different implications uh, across multiple blockchains with a lot of money involved, life-changing money involved for many. So I think that the first thing is just to get some advice on your situation, um, maybe talk to an accountant and to start utilizing software programs that can help you systematically track things, right? Because the key is staying organized. If you're totally unorganized, you have things in tons of different wallets, you're not really keeping track of any of them. Um, you're in tons of different protocols, you own different NFTs, right? It's like, how are you going to keep track of that on a week to week basis uh, without any kind of systematic tracking? Like you have to if you're going to do it in the long term, software is the only way to reasonably expect to keep track of these things without a ton of work involved. So that's what I would say. I would say you got to, you know, first build the the first building blocks of like some basic advice um, and understanding your situation. Then, you know, trying to implement some like software tools and stuff like that um, to make the process more efficient and to automatically track some of it. Um and, you know, it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world. Like in the U.S., if you just get your tax forms, you input your income into them and then you submit it. Uh, that's a lot more simple than what we're talking about here. But <laughs> if you're if you're serious about it, uh, tracking it in a systematic way is uh, is going to become an essential part of it, I suppose. So just looking at better, you know, setting those habits to, to, to be ready to track it. So, okay, so let's go to like, you know, talking to our accountant. What do I, what do I, I'm going to call my accountant after this. What do I, 
what do I want to prepare for them? Because if I just call them right now, I'd be like, listen, I made like six figures of crypto and they'll just be like, uh, you know, like, what do I, what do I prepare? Well, hopefully your accountant will be, have at least a base level of familiarity with cryptocurrencies because if they don't know the words, like if you say I have NFTs and they say, what's an NFT, it's going to be a pretty big uphill battle for them to help you, right? So ideally your account will have at least some knowledge of cryptocurrency and be familiar with the guidance that the IRS has put out, right? So that that's kind of step number one, because uh, you might, if not, you may want to come with some definitions, uh, maybe some Wikipedia links um, and uh, start that conversation that way, which is going to be tough. I would say, secondly, Know where your stuff links. Dude, I love just sending my accountant a Wikipedia <laughs> link about what NFTs are. NFT, <laughs> non-fungible token. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, I, I would just say um, know where your stuff is, right? Because if you have your MetaMask, right? And you have some uh, things on Ethereum main chain, you have some stuff uh, on L2s, you maybe have some, you know, I don't know if you have Binance coin, like BNB or something like that, right? Or Solana, you have a phantom wallet, um, you have NFTs uh, that you've bought and sold on OpenSea. You want to know where everything is and what you own, right? On Topshop, because there's all these different platforms, right? And you can have uh, assets across all of them. So I think that, you know, if you go to your account and they're like, okay, so what do you own? And you can't answer that question with like, here's everything I own, then they're not going to even know where to start. So I think it's like making a list of your assets, where all of those assets are, and then bringing that, uh, to the table when you have that initial conversation, because, if you have to go through a whole fact-finding process and they don't even know what you have, it's gonna be impossible for them to help you. So that's step one, I would say. Step two, um, well, step two depends on what you have. If you made five cryptocurrency trades and all of them were on Coinbase, step two is gonna be pretty easy. If you have 5,000 transactions across Topshot and Ethereum and uh, you've been in all sorts of projects and DeFi, then step two is gonna be your accountant um, sitting in a room for five hours and, uh, you know, up, like getting it all implemented into a software program and uh, weeding through the details, right? That's that's gonna be step two. So I think like all you can really do is come to the table with as organized of a presentation of what you have as possible. And then, you know, go from there depending on what it is that you've done and where you have been doing it, right? Uh, Coinbase will be easy. Uniswap will be hard. Uh, foreign exchanges, that are decentralized or whatever, that's gonna be, you know, that's gonna be, some of it'll be a bit of a goose chase, but that's where you gotta start and then see where it goes from there. Okay. I hope that's so, a good answer, but it's hard, so. to, it's hard to put a fine point on uh, some of this stuff because you just never know what can be uh, under there when you- Well, when that's you, it. And I think that that's the most important part is that it's like hopefully over the next couple of years, one, we get more guidance from the government entities and also we get better tools and, and, and accountants also get wiser to this stuff and more willing to kind of help out with that. Right. So that's kind of, that's kind of where we want to be. Um, do you, I mean, are there any other, any other types of questions or frequently asked questions that you've been facing lately that you want to kind of share? Um, nothing in particular. I think that 
I think we've laid out some of the major things. I think, like, like I said, one of the major things is centralized versus decentralized exchanges and what kind of documents are gonna be provided based on those. I think knowing which chains your assets are on and being able to come to the table with an understanding of what you own um, and then being able to kind of analyze your personal situation, that's the most important thing, right? Do I have $50,000 of gains? Do I have $5,000 of losses? Do I have half a million dollars in gains? And where are those gains? And what can I do with the other assets I own to, you know, to, to make sure that I have the money to pay and to pay whatever taxes I owe or do what's best for, for my personal situation, right? Those are kind of the core pillars, um, the way I see it. And, uh, beyond that, we'll, we'll have to wait for the government to issue more guidance and, and do the best we can to, uh, you know, figure out how we're going to uh, pay taxes on our Z horses, Z run horses that we've bred. This is a bit of a dumb question or a hard qu or a trap question. What is the dumbest thing that people do with their NFTs regarding accounting and taxes? Yeah, I think, I think the dumbest thing that you can do, I mean, there, there's a lot of like theoretically dumb things that you could do, right? You could try to uh, manipulate uh, like the financial value of them or do something like illegal, uh, which obviously is a bad idea. I think, you know, assuming that you're like just trying to do the best you can and following the law, I think the worst um, or the dumbest thing uh, that people do is not knowing what their situation is before the end of the year. Like people will, people will wake up in March or April on like April 10th and they'll be like, oh, taxes are due in five days. Like I'll just figure it out now, right? But if you had $3,000 of gains, for example, you could have probably easily sold a few top shot moments um, and reduced your taxable uh, burden that way, right? Um, but if you had thought about that in December, then you could have done that before the fiscal year ended. But because you waited till April, now all of a sudden you don't have an opportunity to evaluate your situation and, and do you know whatever it is that makes sense at that time before the year is actually over. So that's, I think the biggest mistake is, is just kind of letting it ride past the end of the year and then waking up once it's already over and then realizing there's things you could have done before that you didn't because you didn't you didn't uh look into it before that right okay so ignorance is not so bliss in this situation yeah yeah unfortunately <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that old adage would uh would apply yeah. here oh my god it's a minefield lg i mean it's it's crazy like there's the the old ways of doing things just are not super applicable a lot of times to this new world that we find ourselves in. I mean, we, we've been remarking all year on how crazy it is and how weird it is and how many different applications there are of this technology. And now we're dealing with how that clashes with our, you know, some older systems of uh, tracking mm -hmm. and maintaining. Of course. And it's just, it's just messy. You know what happens at the end of the show, Max, and you've been wonderful so far. Great advice. And, and I think we should follow this up sometime in the next couple of weeks before the year's out. I'm sure people will probably have a lot of other questions. So maybe we could do a Twitter spaces in the in the next couple of weeks um, to kind of field some of those live and honestly, just 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 go back over all this stuff. But you know what happens at the end of the show is would you rather? Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> you know how this works. Right? <laughs> I've, I've heard this segment so many times. I am <laughs> it's like it's yes. Well, now now it's you. <clears throat> Okay. Okay. They're, you know, the, the, they start simple and they get really twisted. <laughs> okay. Would you rather the NBA calls and they're like, hey, we need a VP of crypto accounting and you fit the bill perfectly. Please come work for us. Or the NFL call with the exact same offer for their league. Ooh, that is a good one. Uh, those are my two favorite sports leagues by far. I think 
I would have to go with the NBA. Uh, basketball is uh, where I started. I love the NBA. Uh, I've always been a big NBA fan. So I got to stick with my roots, LG. I'm going with the NBA. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's what I figured, but that's good. That's good. Sorry, NFL. Yeah, sorry, NFL. Would you rather you have to declare 5,000 different Zed Run transactions, but your net gain is $5 million, or you only have to declare one Zed Run transaction and your net gain is $1 million? $5 million. I'll yeah. Pay uh, to sit in a room and track them all day long. Give me the $5 million. <laughs> I'll pay the taxes later. I'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> LG, I own an accounting firm. I could. I can, I have people. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. You know whatever. <laughs> I got people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Last one. Last one. Would you rather the top shot market never crashes, but you never ever find out about other NFTs or things are as they are now? Wow. It's a bit that of like a red is, pill. It's like a red pill, blue pill kind of question. Yes, that is an interesting one because my top shot bags would be looking a lot better right now. Uh, had the market never crashed. And that, you know, that was it was kind of sad, the whole thing. It's been going down. It's not a good feeling. But, you know, I don't know if Top Shot hadn't gone down. I don't know if I would have been as you know passionate about looking for other things and like exploring the crypto world as much because I would have just been happy to stay like in the Top Shot bubble that I was in. So I, I don't know. I mean, that is a really tough one. I think, I think that I'm I would keep it the way it is, um, because I've been able to learn so much about other crypto projects and and just Web three in general, which I think is is ultimately bigger than Top Shot. It's bigger than any one project, right? It's bigger. It's bigger than just one blockchain. <laughs> so I think I'd have to pick uh, the way it was now. Although I do have some nostalgia for. Those February, March days, those were really fun. Um, and I think that, you know, we could have had some good times with, with Top Shot 2 in the alternative universe. That's a good one, LG. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that's it. Um, right on. Well, good answer, Max. And um, thanks, man. We'll uh, we'll do this again and, and hopefully field a lot of questions on, on the next one. But appreciate your time and, and giving us all the insight. Absolutely, man. My DMs are open. So if you guys have questions, um, oh, you can always hit me up go. on Twitter at Max Minsker. And that is going to do it for us today, folks. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and join us tomorrow night for the first Mint Live.